Thanks for joining us for Faith Meets Mental Health with our host, Kim Boswell, the Alabama Commissioner of Mental Health. If you have any questions for our host, you can always email mentalhealth at fraser.church. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hello and welcome to Faith Meets Mental Health, a ministry of Fraser Church. I'm Kim Boswell, Commissioner of the Alabama Department of Mental Health, and I'm here today with Tyler Grant, our student minister, and we want to spend a little more time today talking about youth and social media. Yes. Uh, it's such a big thing for our uh, young folks, and um, I know it's been a hot topic in the mental health field as well, and how the impact of social media, how that plays into someone's either good mental health or not so good mental health. Yeah. Uh, so Tyler, will you share just a little bit of what you're seeing in yeah. with our kids here at Fraser? For sure. So I, I want to talk a little bit about like the, the good of social media and the bad, because I, I think there is some intrinsic good in social media itself. I think back to, I was, um, I, I have a group of seven of us who are best friends from high school and we keep up and it's strictly through social media. We live all throughout the country. So we're able to continually know what's going on in each other's lives, even though we live hours and hours apart. That's some of the good of social media. Some of the bad is almost self-explanatory. If, you know, right. when people think of social media, they think of the negatives that are associated with it. And um, one of the most prominently used apps for teenagers right now, I would say is Snapchat. Instagram is, is still pretty popular, but Snapchat and TikTok are both very <laughs> widely used apps. One of the problems with TikTok itself is just the addictive qualities it has. It's a short form content. I was talking with one of our students uh, probably about five months ago or something. And we were talking about how he can't watch movies anymore because his brain is wired to watch 10 second short form content on TikTok, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts. So in some ways, social media is changing the brain. It's, it's literally changing how they're able to focus on long form content. They can't even watch an hour and a half movie anymore because they want to just scroll through through it right during covid i was talking with one of our uh, girls we were having a little picnic outside and i said what did y'all do yesterday she said i scrolled through tiktok for 10 hours that's all she did wow. for 10 straight hours when they were at home in this pandemic so of course brain chemistry has been altered from that moment and it's continually you know shifting and uh, i'm thankful for the students who see that problem they delete it and stuff but then there's snapchat on the other realm of things and there's just all kinds of I would almost say intrinsic problems with Snapchat is you send a message and it's deleted as soon as it's sent and there's just no accountability to what's sent. You can, um, all kinds of threats can be sent, all kinds of inappropriate pictures and messages that parents will never see because they, they hide. So there's just a lot of worry in some mm -hmm. of these apps that some of our teenagers have access to and some of them are getting phones as early as 9, 10, 11 years old. Um, and I understand the connectedness and being able to communicate with your with your student. You want to make sure they're okay. So, um, but also uh, we've seen some of our parents do really good jobs of they monitor phones. Because mm. the problem that scares me is the just the unlimited access to the internet at your fingers with a twelve year old brain. There's a lot of harm that can be done with that. So, um, those are just I'm seeing a lot of TikTok, a lot of Snapchat, and those that the addictive qualities of those but also just like 
what's being sent and then the comparison that I see on Instagram. Instagram is where you kind of post in your best. Like I, I went on the beach to the beach with my friends. I went up on a mountain. Look at me up here. And um, there's a lot of, I would say, struggles associated with all of those apps in all kinds of different ways. It's such a hard decision for parents, for grandparents. Yeah. I know um, our two granddaughters in Denver, you know, their parents were very, very resistant to mm-hmm. getting them phones and, uh, really, you know, it was a it was a big decision because they're both really involved in sports, mm-hmm. and their teams all had like these group text messaging systems. You know, where it's like it got to the point to where my oldest granddaughter would be left out because. Yeah. She didn't have a phone and didn't know that after the game, everybody's going, you know, to this place to eat. Yeah. And uh, she's our social butterfly. You know, she's mm-hmm. our granddaughter that really, you know, pays attention to, you know, her social environment for sure. And it was just a really struggle for her. And it was a struggle for, you know, my kids to decide, you know, is this a good time? How do we manage this? You know, how do we monitor it? Mm-hmm. You know, because they really honestly did not want to give her a phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah, it's like we really don't want to do that because we, you know, um, they understand, you know, the risk that are yeah. involved. And, you know, it's not really about not trusting her as much as just things that she could potentially be exposed to in social yeah. media. And so it's really a challenge for parents to to make that decision. And, um, you know, how do you not prevent your child from being engaged in social activities and the things that are really pretty healthy yeah. uh, versus protecting them from, you know, uh, social media posts. And I know we have a we've been engaged with a research project um, where it really looks at sort of you know what pops up in your feed yeah and uh, there's some science behind that now and looking at it and just how easy it is for kids to type in one word and then all of a sudden all sorts of things that they yeah. never anticipated are popping up in their feed yeah. And I was just completely blown away because yeah. I'm not a bit, I don't do social media at all, yeah. really, which is, you know, funny. Yeah. Um, You're probably better off for it. Yeah. Though, let's be real. <laughs> I think it's good for my mental health. Yes, I'm I- just saying, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I, I don't do it. And so I was really shocked by, you know, the research that shows sometimes just the simplest thing, you know, for that kid who is spending 10 hours a day, mm-hmm. if they're just following what pops up in their feed, mm-hmm. that can be so absolutely dangerous yeah. because one strange word can lead them down a path for sure. that they never, you know, intended to go down, but because of that kind of addictive quality of it. And, and I find myself doing that even when I'm looking at the news sometimes. Something will pop up, and I'm like, oh, I want to know that. And then I realize it's one of those deals where you just have to keep clicking. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why did I just waste 10 minutes of my life doing yes. that? I'm like, now why am I watching puppies in a pool right. with ducks? Like, I, I don't know. You get the most random stuff that comes up. But yeah, I was watching a documentary a few years ago on Netflix, and it's just talking about the, the algorithms that Facebook in, puts into place. Right. And they're made to be addictive they're made to want like your phone misses you like like it, it actually misses you and it's trying to get you back to it you send you notifications yeah. get you back into the phone 
where you can and um we our brains are being reshaped i mean all of us who we're on our phones a lot and you just you, you turn, go down these rabbit holes and one example of that ad- addictiveness is um back in august I, I just began my um my schooling my whole family had covid so we were at home i'm trying to do school trying to balance a job and i have a nintendo switch i, I, I love gaming but we have a four-year-old and we haven't let him play it yet just because it's going to be hard for him there was no rules that week with COVID. I let him play. I let him play Mario some, and we monitored it no more than like 30 minutes. But I saw him become so addicted to that screen. Like he would wake up and say, I want to play the Switch. I want to play Mario. And like, that's all he could think about, only after playing for a few minutes. So we had to take it and put it away. It's been up on a shelf for about seven, eight months. And we said, when you turn five, maybe we'll have another conversation. But I saw firsthand how addictive those screens can be especially right. we're talking about trauma and this is still it's not necessarily trauma but it's still that that growing brain creating all kinds of different synapses and in that moment like he was getting a, an addictive personality to a screen and that's just that's one of the other big problems um, is whenever you're addicted to a screen and the whole time you're comparing yourself while you're addicted to the scrolling like of course we're in a mental health crisis with our teenagers because all they see um, is, is girls who are prettier than them or skinnier than them. We see athletes who are better than me or who are going out and spending thousands of dollars on vacations. And of course we're living in this, in, in this inferiority complex because we're not doing that. Right. So I feel for teenagers. Sometimes I struggle with that as a 30-year-old man. like I, I see youth groups that are bigger than ours and I see people <laughs> who have better degrees than me and I'm like, oh, I'm struggling just like our teenagers do on social media. So it's it's there to, to, to mess with us and get us back there as fast as possible. Yeah, I um, I get a lot of flack as commissioner because I don't do social media yeah. very much because <laughs> there are some of my peers that do it a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it's like one uh, particular organization, I, I said, you know, I don't do social media. And he's like, what? You don't? I mean, how do you communicate? And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, yeah. the department has a social media site, but like my face is not out there. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum is my good friend at the Department of Corrections who's having, you know, there's a lot going on mm-hmm. there. And so his position is now I don't read the newspaper and I don't look at social media. Yep. Yep. And I think probably that's a good thing for his mental health. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, as adults, you know, I feel very fortunate even though, you know, I kind of had some interesting childhood experiences, um, I really feel like we were raised to, like, not be, you know, we never were encouraged to do something because somebody else was doing it. In fact, it was absolutely the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the old, well, if Johnny jumps off the cliff, are you going to, I mean, it was so much, like, you don't that's not ever going to be a good reason for me to let you do something so that argument never worked and i feel like it was easier because you know when i was growing up you you went to school and then in the summertime you know you went home and you didn't necessarily see all the other kids you saw your cousins or family or whatever and now you know that can sometimes be the downside as kids you know, even if they're being bullied, they can continue to be bullied over the summertime if they're looking at social media. Yeah. And it's almost like, how do you help them get away from that, yeah. you know, and have some downtime and be present in the moment? 
And I, I feel like that's our struggle as a society, not just for our kids. Sometimes I feel like as adults, we don't do a very good job of role modeling. Absolutely. Being like present uh-huh. in the moment, like yes. be where your feet are, as yeah. some folks say. Because it, you know, as adults, we kind of model that, you know, busyness. We got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And um, I think we could all benefit from just kind of slowing down a little bit, taking a deep breath, and really uh, just being where we are and being present in the moment. And that was the other thing I loved about the Shaco experience, because you could tell those kids were present in the moment yes. right where their feet were planted and loving life really yeah. did you read my brain because i was going to literally talk about this exact like <laughs> sabbath kind of thing like did wow, you not kid, know i had that skill that, is that part of it like being a commissioner the, like yeah. it's, just, it's just part of the the position as you're able to telekinesis as well <laughs> so. my, my staff worry sometimes you know because i tell them i'm like it'd be really helpful if you could have the mind reading skill because then i wouldn't have to say all this stuff yeah that, actually the class i'm taking right now in my counseling class is the telekinesis <laughs> um i was going to speak exactly to that issue of um one thing that i've been doing a lot of reading on and studying on is sabbath in and of itself yeah. and um part of the mental health summit we're going to have is dr matthew sleeth i think that's his name yeah. he's he speaks a lot on sabbath and the importance of that and I'm excited for him to share what we've heard from the different talks. But I also read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I read that about two years ago after I went through a season of almost burnout through a really hard summer of, of ministry. Me and my wife went away to North Carolina for a weekend just to get away from from the busyness of life. And I read this book and I was so convicted after reading it. And, you know, all kinds of different practices of Sabbath. But one of the things that John Mark talks about is that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy because sin and busyness both cut off our connection to the Lord. And I think with our phones, we've become so connected. We've become so busy. And even just scrolling, we're bit like we're just busy scrolling and not being present in the moment. So one of the things I've I've started to do on on occasions on weekends is we do a 24-hour Sabbath and we call them our together days with me and my family. I have two kids, a four-year-old Judah and a one-year-old Elsie. And Friday night I will, will you know text my parents, text the people that need to know like, hey, I'm putting my phone away for the next 24 hours. I'm not I'm turning it off. I'm staying as far away as I possibly can from my phone just so I can be connected with my kids and my family. Because it's so easy for me to be doing bath time with my daughter and be playing a game on my phone. It's just part of my my brain chemistry has changed and being addicted to my phone, so it helps me. And another thing we did, you were talking about Shaco, you can tell they're present. We did a middle school and a high school retreat back in October, November, and one of the stipulations was they had to turn in their phone for the whole weekend. Oh, wow. So Friday <laughs> night we got there, we took their phones up, and we kind of put them on stage, so it kind of like, ah, oh, there's your phone in front of you. <laughs> um, but they were able to be so much more present. And we had some girls bring some old school digital cameras, and just like, it felt like I was, when I was back in youth group and having those experiences, but they were able to be present and not have to worry about just being on their phone and... Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I think there's so much good in taking a Sabbath, and even if that Sabbath is from our phones, just so that we can be present with the people around us, and sometimes just be present with ourselves, right? And be, be okay with just thinking and being okay with the quiet. And I think sometimes I know for me the challenge is um, I'm not very good at dealing with my feelings as they come up, yeah. and so. Sometimes what happens is I sort of shuffle that to the back, and then when I'm still and I'm quiet, then, of course, all that stuff sort of comes back to my mind. And the easy thing to do is just go make myself busy. Yeah. 
And it's so much harder to just go, okay, I need to sit in the moment, deal with those emotions. It's like I've really known for a year I needed to do some grief work. Yeah. Like I have some leftover grief stuff for a multitude of reasons. And I realized today, I'm like, I said I was going to do this last year. And here I am a year later, and I've done some journaling. I've done some Mm -hmm. stuff to try and work through it. But what I know is I need a good 24 to 48 hours of just absolute quiet time to to kind of process through all that. Because I'm really good at, you know, I can busy up my day. There are plenty of people blowing up my phone or, you know, problems that present themselves. And um, it's just a real challenge, I know, as as an adult. And I know for our kids, you know, we have to kind of model that for them and and say it's okay to have some downtime. It's okay not to be busy. Uh, which is not always the easiest thing to do. It's so easy to almost be addicted to that busyness. I just feel like I have to be productive. And I actually saw an Instagram, ironically, last night of a pastor in Miami, and he was talking. He had a shirt about productivity is good. Busyness isn't. It's like rest can be productive. Busyness isn't productive. Like we like this facade of I'm busy. I'm, I'm, you know, being productive. Not necessarily like production is different from busyness. And, um, even thinking about it on a different way, like honestly, the last time I remember being completely quiet was back in October and it's March right now. Right. It's been six months. And I was driving through the mountains. We were at our cousin's wedding in North Georgia. I had no service. I dropped my wife off or something and I had 30 minutes by myself. My Spotify wasn't working, nothing. And I got kind of scared. I was like, I have to be completely quiet for 30 minutes. But it was so good just to pray right. and to think and just like be present right there in the moment and like just let the Lord speak to me in those moments. It was just, it's, it's very different than what I'm used to. I always have a podcast or music or something going on and but just being okay with the quiet. We have, yeah. we have one girl. Um, we There's a Spotify rap comes out every year and it tells you all of the music you've listened to for a full year. The amount of music she listened to was like a hundred thousand plus hours. It, it equated to like a hundred straight days of listening to music. Wow! In a year, so it's like we, there's no downtime. There's no time for quiet to just be and to rest and recuperate. So a lot of that to just talk about the importance of Sabbath and disconnecting for a little bit for the sake of our mental health. Well, and and being able to hear you know the voice of the Holy Spirit. I Absolutely. Mean, you know this time of year. I really will say this time of year during Lent and leading up, you know, to Good Friday and Easter, um, it is a little bit easier for me because I'm so much more aware of the sacrifice that was given. And there's just something about this time frame in the life of the church that really makes it a little bit easier we're not quite into spring you know it's we're past the holidays uh, but it's still a challenge i think for everybody just to get to that point but it's really truly the only way that we can really understand you know the will of god for our life is for us to be quiet long enough to hear his voice instead of you know hearing our own or all the other 
voices out there. So What's the, the story in First or Second Kings, I believe, where Elijah is trying to listen for the voice of the Lord, and it's not through the the thunder or through the earthquake; it's through the still small whisper. And we were on a retreat with our staff last week, and we had two hours of a prayer retreat. So I guess there was quiet last <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, then before that, I'm going to need some witnesses that say that you were quiet. We uh, can ask some of our staff, <laughs> maybe an hour and a half of that. Um, but I, I walked around for a little bit of it because I just couldn't sit still. It was so hard for me. And it was during a time of a, pr- a prayer retreat where I was just about listening. And I said, Lord, speak to me for 20 minutes, which for me sounds like an eternity. And I was like, Lord, just, just speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And I didn't hear anything in that moment. I got frustrated. And one, it was because I did not allow enough time. It was just like 20 minutes. I'm expecting the Lord to give me this big divine will and inspiration, but he didn't. My brain's always going. But then I get back and um, I'm reading some verses a little bit further on. And I, I, I journaled from John 10, 10. And my life verse is John 10, 10, where the thief comes to still kill and destroy. Jesus comes to give life to the full. But later on in those verses, it's talking about listening. And there's a story in um, talking about uh, Samuel and him going before the throne, before God and just the Lord's coming near Samuel and saying, I'm here. I came and Samuel, Samuel, listen to me. And Samuel says, I'm here. I'm ready to listen. And I think it's just so important for us to just get away and be quiet long enough to hear the voice of the Lord. It's not necessarily going to happen in 20 minutes on a walk through the woods, but allowing margin so the Lord yeah. can speak to us in the middle of our rest. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I, I think this time of year is a perfect time to do that. Absolutely. You know, and uh, uh, thank you, Tyler. I appreciate you really working with our kids and uh, knowing your heart and how much you love them and care for them. Uh, I just really appreciate all you do. Absolutely. So, thank you so thank much, you. Kim. Sure. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, if you have any questions that you would like to be discussed on an upcoming episode, you can always email mentalhealth@fraser.church. Also, you can view video of our episodes on fraser.church slash videos or on youtube.com slash fraserchurch. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.